morning off right. So uh, take a minute. John, you want to open us up in, uh, in a word of prayer? Amen. All right. I know it's snowing out and it's roads are bad, but man, it's a it's a it's good morning to be alive. It's good a good morning to be saved. That's that's what I know. Okay, if you guys want to, uh, we're going to talk a little more about Solomon today, uh, his successes, his failures. Um, so if everybody could go over to First Kings, uh, chapter three. First Kings chapter three, and we will start in verse five. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, "Ask what I shall give thee." And Solomon said, "Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness, and and in up." And in uprightness of heart with thee, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness, and thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king, instead of David my father, and I am but a little child, I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen as great people, that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and thou hast, asked, hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, enemy, or, thy, or the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment behold i have done according to thy words lo i have given thee a wise and an understanding heart so that there was none like thee before thee neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee and i have also given thee that which thou hast not asked both riches and honor so that there will there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all the thy, thy days and if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. Now this is one of the greatest things about Solomon. The Lord comes, he visits, to, visits him in a dream, and he asked him, what, what do you want? I'll give you what you want. Solomon could have asked for anything he desired, anything at all. And what he asked was, was for a heart to be able to discern how to judge. Uh, it, and that's a, that's a rare thing. I mean, who, how many of us would actually do that? I mean, how, how many of us actually do do that when we pray or anything like that? Um, Friday night we were talking uh, about um, 
leadership and how to serve. And the same thing applies there. Like what Solomon's at, give me, give me a heart to judge and understand, to discern these things. And everybody wants to, to lead. Everybody wants to a chance to serve and do something for the Lord. But the question is, is what are you willing to do that? Because everybody wants to stand up. Everybody wants to do it. Everybody wants to, oh, I, I would love to have wisdom to discern and do that. But what steps are you willing to put that in place? See, because everybody will come up and say, hey, I would like to do this, I would like to do that, I'd like to do that. But where are you willing to start out? Are you willing to start out with something simple? Because that's what the Lord wants to see. He wants to see. Are you? And too many times when people get leadership and wanting to, in all these roles of wanting to, to judge and be up here, it's, it's about them. It's not about the Lord. They say it's about the Lord, but it's not. You know, oh, this is too simple. Oh, it's, well, this is too, that's too, that's too much time or this or that. When does it end? What are you willing to do for the Lord? And Solomon just took it and said, hey, I, I just want to know how to judge. I want to know how to judge your people. I want to know what's right and wrong. Where he could have asked for anything. He could have said, just make me king with all these riches, right? Like, like most of us Christians want to do. Just, hey, just. Put me into a position of authority. Put me into a position where people recognize me as somebody great, and I'll be good. Because then I can really serve you. Then I can really do what you want. And Solomon doesn't do that. He says, hey, just let me do this. And this is why he's a great picture in the beginning of Christ and all these things of how we should be due. And then he moves over to, as we go farther, as into a picture of Antichrist. Because the Lord tells him here, whatever you want to do. But if you notice, in verse 14 he says, And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. He, he tells him, hey, you want to walk in my statutes, you want to do this, I'll give you more. But God already gave him more because what he asked for pleased the Lord so much that he says, you know, I'm going to give you the riches anyways. I'm going to give you, you know, these things that you didn't ask for because you asked for the wisdom. And you should be able to, right? I mean, that's what he asked for, discern. So he should be able to discern how to use these riches, how to go out, how to do things for the Lord, how to give God glory. Now, it's funny because that's what we want. We ask for that. And, and the Bible says we have not because we ask not. Or we ask it upon our lust. And that's, that's exactly what we do. And this is what it made. And God was like, hey, I love this. This is, this is awesome. This is the best thing. This is really great. I can't believe, you know, this is what he wants. Because he could have asked for anything. But it just shows that if you have the right heart, the Lord will work in you. The Lord will, will put you in places and give you that, those thoughts that you want for the Lord, the right ones, so you can discern. Right? Um, and in Hebrews, it's a, st a strong meat, right? That's, that's what we're supposed to work up to, strong meat. But what is all that about? If you keep going, it's because we need to discern between good and evil. Exactly 
what Solomon's asking for. I, I want to discern what's good, what's right, what's wrong. Now, we have the Holy Spirit. We're sealed with it till the day of redemption. And it, it shouldn't really be that much. It shouldn't be that hard for us. It shouldn't be a struggle and a fight like it is for us. But yet it becomes that. And it's because we start taking that emphasis out. Just like as we see Solomon later in his life, we take that emphasis off of God and start turning it towards ourselves. We let somebody else come along and puff us up and... and you know, and sometimes they don't mean it. They're just trying to edify you and uh, encourage you. But sometimes that goes to our heads. And we take that and we move away from the Lord instead of closer to the Lord. Um, now, if we pick back up in, let's see, verse 16. Uh, then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one woman said unto, uh, and the one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered, that this woman was delivered also. And we were together. There was, a, there was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night, because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from inside me from beside me while thine handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom and when I rose in the morning to give my child suck behold it was dead but when I had considered it in the morning behold it was not my son which I did bear and the other woman said nay but the living is my son and the dead is thy son and this said no but the dead is thy son and thy living is my son thus they spake before the king then said the king, One saith, This is my son that liveth, and the son is, thy, is the dead. And the other saith, Nay, but thy son is the dead, and my son is the living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one, and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son, and she said, O my Lord, give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the, she is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king. For they saw that the wisdom of God, of God was in him to do judgment. And here's, here's the first example of the great wisdom he uses. You have two mothers, and they're, you know, one dies, and they do this. And, um, you know, I, every time I think of this story, I just think of how, how wicked we can truly be. I mean, for, for somebody to do that. Um, but Solomon shows great wisdom in this and says, you know, hey, I got I to gotta figure this out. I'm going to do this. And... Uh, now, I really don't think he had any intention of dividing a child. It was just to bring forth the truth. Why? Because we're, we're going to do that. Mothers will do that. They will protect their child at any cost. And, uh, and Solomon knew this, so he used, that, he used that knowledge, he used that wisdom to apply it, to get this, to get to the right decision.
but it's just it's it's such a great wisdom that this man had for him to just squander it uh, just just as we do we have a great salvation that we squander we have we have knowledge and wisdom that the lost world does not have they can't have they just don't understand um, and how do I know? Because I came from there. I didn't understand. I had no clue. I, I heard the gospel over and over and over and over and over again, and it was just, no. It, it didn't click. You know? And then when you get, you know, and then because I came from a Catholic church, it's one of those things where you just, you think it's a given. You know, Christ died, so it's a given. I'm saved. And that's not how it works. But we do. We squander, we squander this wisdom, this knowledge. Um, again, uh, I've said it the past few weeks, and I'll say it again. Now is the only time that you're going to have to tell anybody uh, about Christ, his life, how he died, what he did for you. And, and when you're in heaven, it's not going to matter. When they're in hell, it's not going to matter. It's too late. This is the only time. We should at least be able to take that wisdom that we know, this knowledge that we know, and be able to go out and at least tell it and apply it. And uh, that's what that's what we really truly need. Because how can you when you when you sit there and you read and people come up to you, right? We're supposed to have. We're supposed to give them a reason for our hope. We're supposed to know how to ought to answer every man. Our speech is supposed to be seasoned. Right with salt. I mean, this is how it's supposed to be. But so many times, we give vague and blank answers to things. That's going to help nobody. That's not wisdom. You know, we often go to people and witness and say, hey, you know, well, now Jesus loves you. He died for you. Okay, well, why? Because the Bible says so. Well, that's awesome. What, what does the lost world know about the Bible? I didn't. What do they know about God says so? They don't. You have to know how to explain that. You need to know that wisdom that you can only get by reading the Bible, by being born again, and going out and telling them. But you can't give them vague answers because they're not going to understand it. They ha they have no I didn't understand it. I had to, It took, oh boy, what was it? I think <clears throat> it had to be about four or five hours sitting there talking. Four or five hours and just getting shown over and over again. But I wasn't given vague answers. I wasn't given, well, that's what it says, so accept it or not. Where's the hope in that answer? Yes, I know I'm supposed to accept it. It's God's word. I get that. But when you don't know what it is, you don't know how to apply that wisdom, you don't know the knowledge, then it means nothing. And, and I, I believe half of these people, that's why they were so amazed by him and, and feared him. Because I was like, wow, he just, can you believe what he just did with these, with these two mothers? Like that's, because they didn't understand. I mean, even though they, they came from David's reign, I mean, we, we, we see with David alone of how many people would split from the Lord and just go somewhere else and, and start doing something different. But Solomon's wisdom was different. 
but we do. As Christians now, we depend on the Lord's wisdom. We depend on his knowledge. And we get that through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches us. He tells us what the truth is. But we can't get there if we're going to leave our Bibles closed. There's no way. You could pray all you want, but if you don't open this, you're not going to do it. And then so many times we lose that we lose that wisdom, we lose that truth because we open the Bible and we read to read. Well, this is what God wants, so I'm going to read. Again, that's, that's, that helps nobody. If you're reading to read, it's nothing. Because so many times we pray, we read, we pray, we read, and we're wondering why God's not talking to us. It's because you're too concerned with praying and reading. You're too concerned about asking for something and too concerned about getting something, and that's why you're doing it instead of sitting there, stopping, reading, and then waiting, listening. That's the biggest thing is listening. His word's not meant just for us to get things, to get, you know, wishes and, and grants and, uh, oh, okay, well, now, now I'm happy, I'm blessed. No, it's so he can talk to us. And too many times we don't want to listen. We have no, we, we just don't have the time. I mean, honestly, that's, that's how we treat it. We don't have the time. We don't need to do anything for him. He'll, he'll take care of it. And, and it's a shame we get into that because, right? I mean, prayer, prayer changes things. If your heart's right and you're truly seeking him and listening and wanting to know and you're praying, then he'll answer. He'll change the situations it's not a, it's not a, you know, well, maybe if I pray, he'll, he'll do something. That's not, you know, or, or I should hold off on this, or I should do this. Um, that was one of the, the hardest things that I, that I could, that I had to try to get uh, my mom to understand. Was God cares about you. He cares about, he wants to hear about these little things. He wants to be in your decision making with little things, no matter what it may be. That's how he can work. That's how you grow your faith. It, it's, not by, it's not by asking, and too many people do that, and that's why too many people walk away from God. Too many people won't come to God because they've asked for this huge big thing, and he said no. That's not how faith works. Faith is supposed to be, that's, what, that, that's the wisdom you should get by reading the Bible, is faith works by asking these little things, having him in your life daily for little things, and that's what works inside. You know, you know, and then you see it and you go, oh, wow. Wow, he, he answered this little thing. So that way when you do ask for a big thing and he says no or he says wait, you're not getting upset. You're not getting mad. You're not walking away from him. You're not... You, you're worshiping him the way you're supposed to and saying, okay, thank you, Lord. Maybe that just wasn't for me. Uh, if we turn over to uh, 1 Kings 11. Let's see. Uh, 1 Kings 11. And uh, we'll start in verse 1 and read the uh, first verses. Uh, but King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, 
Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. As was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites, and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. Build in high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the children of Amnon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt in incense and sacrificed under their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. And he commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord commanded. <clears throat> and again, here we go. He has all this wisdom, all this knowledge. He knows. God gave him that. I mean, so either God's a liar and didn't give him the ability to discern between right and wrong, good and evil, or he did. And he did, but like us, we, we, we don't care. We could take the simplest things in life. I mean, I mean let, let's be honest. That's what we're good at. We could take the simplest things in life that is not sin, that's not an addiction, and make it one. Something that's not bad at all. Something that you need in life and turn it into something that's evil and wicked. That we honestly can. And um, that's what, you know, that's what we try to get through to people on Friday nights over at Hope. It's not about that. It, it's, you know, take something like sleep. Is sleep wrong? No. But, I mean, if you're going to sit there and sleep all day, is it right or wrong now? I mean, these, these are things that we have to do, and these are little things that God wants us in our lives, you know? He wants us to talk about that. You know, maybe you're real tired. Maybe you're up. Um, you know, late, doing something for the Lord. And he says, you know what? Sleep today. It's okay. Sleep today. But there again is where we have to use some knowledge and a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of discernment, and ask them. Sometimes people don't, don't get to sleep, you know? Sometimes... Uh, evangelists, missionaries, things like that, You're, they're out on the road, they're doing that, they don't get to sleep. They need to sleep. They don't get to sleep. Sometimes they're rushing around and don't get to eat. Why? They, they need, but they need that. They're, the Lord says, hey, you know, this is what's got to be done. And you go, okay, all right, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'll get through it because you're with me. But here, you know, Solomon uses... You know, no discernment and just says, okay. And to, to me, I mean, this is just one of the things right here, uh, this chapter, which just, it was one of those ones that brought me closer uh, to the King James Bible and, and certain things like that. 
Because it's basically, you don't take anything out of Egypt. Nothing. Guess where some of the manuscripts are of other Bibles? Taken out of Egypt. I mean, honestly, that, that's a big warning to me about certain things. Because this is a man that he blessed like no other. No other man will, will ever... No other king walks the earth and does these things. I mean... We have the exception with Christ, but no, no other human-born man has the knowledge and the wisdom that Solomon has right here. And again, he does what he's not supposed to do. And uh, you know, and that's a, that's a good lesson. That, that's a lesson for for all those people out there to get self-righteous or, or go, you know, I would have never done what Adam and Eve did. Here's a guy that knew everything and still walked, still did what he didn't ask. Still. And there's no, look, we're all going to fall. And uh, we're all going to stumble. We're all going to sin. Right? Because we're still here. We're still in our bodies. We're still on earth. But the thing is, what are we going to do when we fall? How are we going to react to that? What are we going to do? The biggest thing I'm about is always is, with, with people is, is taking steps. You have to have a plan in place. You have to have steps. It's not, hey, I'm going to read my Bible in the morning. Okay, well, that's, that's nice. I want to read my Bible in the morning too, but sometimes it doesn't happen. Usually because of me. So what steps can you take to ensure that you're going to read the Bible? What are you going to read? You always need a plan in place for certain things. And uh, Solomon didn't do that. Solomon was like, okay, I got this wisdom. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make future plans. I got this. I'll handle it. I mean, basically, that's what he does. He says, I'm going to handle it as it comes. I can handle it. And that's the switch. And that's the switch that us, uh, us Christians do. You know, we sit in church for so long. We, we hear good messages. We, got, we have great pastors that give their time no matter what. Uh, that out of the blue will just text you or call you and say, hey, I'm praying for you. We have all this, and what our problem is, is we take it for granted. And we get that, that self-righteousness in us. And we end up going, yeah, I'm okay. We end up start talking like a lost person. I'm good. I'm good. And the Lord's going, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, but I'm good. Look at everything I have. Look at how he's blessed me. I must be good. I must be good because I have all this. It's not how it works. Right? We, we find that out early on. God will have mercy upon who will have mercy upon. And that, that's just it. And if you have anything, it is because he has mercy upon you. <clears throat> I'm quite sure, I'm quite sure there's better people out there than me to have no home, have no food. Because I know me, and I'm just honest. But you've got to be careful of what you're taking. What are you taking from that world? What are you trying to take from that world? Because that, that world's not our home. This is not our home. What could we possibly need that we absolutely have 
that's going to benefit us and benefit giving God glory? Not much. Pretty much nothing. Yeah, we're pretty good at convincing ourselves that we need it. I mean, that's, that's where the problem comes. I'm good at that. You know, pretty good at convincing, you know, it's just how it is. And praise God that he has mercy on us. That, that he's like, okay, I'll, you know, look. okay, that's what you want. But you don't know what it's going to cost you afterwards. And, I mean, we, we find out it costs Solomon uh, a great deal. But this is the problem. What Solomon starts to do is he starts to love the world more. He starts saying, I don't need, you know, or I need more than one wife. I mean, honestly, that's one of the biggest things. I mean, did you see with him all these wives and all these concubines? If you're like that, there's only one thing you're fighting, and that's lust. And he's fighting this, and he's looking at the world, and he's saying, oh, wow, look how good these... uh, this you know this world is and um again you, you go you start to go to um you go to the new testament this is this is why in the new testament it says don't shouldn't be yoked with unbelievers why well well because you can go back to solomon and see what happened when you you start to get yoked with unbelievers you start to turn away from god you start to look at these other gods and going oh well i wonder what they can give me I wonder what I can get out of it. And unfortunately, that's, that's what it does. And, but nowadays it's, nowadays, it's different. It's not making you know, golden calves. It's not making these great big statues. I mean, well, politically and, and worldwide, but I mean, individually, it's, that's not what it's about. What, about. what it's about now is, hey, uh, you know, what kind of car can I get? What kind of house can I get? Um, you know, hey, it's Sunday. You know, football games are on. You know, and uh, I know everybody talks about football, but honestly, I think baseball's worse. Because baseball is like a long season, man, and you just don't know when they're playing. And people just go out, but... I mean, but that's what it is. We raise sports up to an idol. We, were, we raise our material things as an idol. <clears throat> and, and the shame is, is if we have kids and we have family, we're showing them what's important. We're showing them. And, and like I said, I'm not against anything at all. Um, you know, I let my boys play sports and all that stuff like that. Jack loves baseball, but it, it is. It's a long season. Thing is, is people have seen him. He's he's come in here on a Wednesday night, and baseball stuff. Why? Because it's Wednesday. That's that's what we gotta do. Why? Because God's more important. You know, and, and he know he knows for a fact that like if if something's on a Sunday, it's not it's not even we're gonna try to make it. It's sorry, ain't gonna be there. Won't be there. But he looks at the world, you know, and that's, that's what we're doing. We're just looking at this world. 
we, you know, it's funny because we, we do. We have this <clears throat> wisdom that we get once we get saved because the Holy Spirit comes in us and we start reading it and it's, you know. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. I mean, that, that's the thing. That's in there for a reason. Why? Because we do it a lot. Because we take something else and try to put it in our lives before God. We don't want to spend the time. Again, that has to do with everything. We, with wanting to serve or anything. We, we don't want to do the simplest of things. We don't want to have it. it and that's the greatest thing. We complicate everything. God's made it simple. He's made it real simple to the point. And then it's it's us going back and forth with our own nature. It's it's looking at other people instead of examining ourselves and going, "Hey, you know, I I might I might benefit if I have this a little more." And then we wonder why prosperity gospel is is reaching all-time highs. Christians are the ones that gave them that power that we shouldn't have because we're so concerned about what we have, what we don't have. We like our idols. You know, and, and that's the thing. You know, Jesus' last command was go out to the world. Go out to the world, preach the gospel. You know, and, and I only bring that up because, I mean, that's that's wisdom that we get, that we know that. In the past few weeks, we've been closing up with hope, and we've done, re, went through redeeming the time and and and, how, and free to serve and, and how you need to maintain victory by adding to your life, not taking away. But yet, that's what we do. We fail. We make idols because what we do is we add the wrong things instead of adding, when we take away the right things. Well, I really got to do this today, so I don't think I'll read. And honestly, how long does it take to read? Just Proverbs alone are pretty short, and I, and I mean, we can't do that. Some days we go without reading. Why? And we can't do a, a chapter of Proverbs. Not to say that should be your goal and that should be what you're looking, you know, well, I'll be good if I just do one proverb. But it's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, but it's possible to read every day something. Right? Psalm 1 is a great psalm. That's six verses. I mean, even if you just open your Bible to that every day just to try to, uh, you know, memorize it and get it in your heart, that's, that's six verses that's well worth it. Well worth it. But we'd rather spend our time how we want to spend our time. We'd rather, you know, sit there like Solomon, and we, we'd rather be this great king and get all this recognition and and do that when it's, we should be just simply trying to discern what's good and what's bad. 
sticking to the word of God and going, okay, this is, this is what I need to do. And again, it's not, it's, we're going to fail. It's not about failing. It, I mean, it, it's just how it is. We're going to fail. It's not, it's about not making that same mistake over and over again. You know, maybe you'll make the same mistake, but it'll be a different way it got you, which is, you know, which happens. But I mean, just to keep putting yourself in there and going around and around and around, that's not that's not the, the life that God wanted for us or to have for us. But we learn from here one of the most important decisions you're ever going to make in life is who you're going to marry. Right? I mean, you get saved. Well, that, I'm sorry, getting saved is the most important thing. But after that, if you decide to get married, that's, I mean, that's important. And we need to take time for that. We need to thoughtfully be in prayer. Um, Not everybody can be uh, as lucky as I am. And I say that because, I mean, I had, I, you know, I got married to Patty. I was lost. I had no idea who she was. I didn't. And then to come find out that she gets saved when she's a little girl at a Billy Graham thing. I mean, like, that's like, what are the odds of that? What did God have to do for me to end up like that? And again, though, I had the choice. What choice was I going to? I didn't know. And then to find that out. Right, not not everybody's lucky like that. Where it's gonna, you're gonna you're gonna try to rush into things. You're gonna make things. You're gonna let your emotions get the better of you. And what are you gonna do? I mean that that's the simplest thing. But that's what the world wants you to do. They want you to confuse love with nothing but emotions instead of how God puts it as charity as love and action. Because you could say you love somebody all you want, but if you don't take the steps to show it, I mean, what, what does it matter? Right? And that's, that's the big thing with faith as well. We profess we're Christians all the time. But how many times do we take that step of faith to show him? that That's what our life's supposed to be about. If, if you're not, you know, if you're not sure, take a little step of faith. He'll show you the right way. I'm pretty sure uh, Pastor Kenny just did something like that, right? Now acknowledge God in all your ways, right? He shall direct your path. You know, he, he's going to, He's going to let you know. You just have to acknowledge him. You have to take those little steps. But who you marry is going to be. That, that's who's going to be with you. And so many times they get caught up in this, this emotional game and they don't know who they are. What, what way are they going to lead you? Because if you're just following your emotions, whoever your spouse is, they're going to be able to pull you whatever way they want. If you're not, if you're just using emotional things and not your, you know, I hate to say logic or thinking, but I mean, that's, you know, you have to have a balance of things. But every marriage is supposed to glorify God, 
right? That's that's what we find out in Genesis. You know, it, it, why? Because that's why he created. That's why he created women. So so man wouldn't be alone. Help me. Not to be lower, not to be anything like that. But it helped me. You know, my wife brings out the best of me. Um, you know, I, I don't think I would have, you know, I don't think I would have been in a position to be over there on a Friday night doing hope if it wasn't for my wife. She used to tell me all the time. I, sometimes I would make excuses, you know, when I, you know, I was just a student over there. I don't feel like going. I don't want to go. And she'd say, no, go. You need to go. And I look at her and go, why? And she goes, because you're miserable and I don't like you the next morning. And I'm like, are you serious? She's like, yeah, yeah. No, I don't like you. You're better when you go. But why am I better? It's not me. I'm not better. It's because I gave the Lord opportunity to work in me. It's because... Once we got saved, once I got saved, the Lord could work in our marriage the way it's supposed to. And she could push me in the right directions and I could and I could point her in the right directions. I mean that's what marriage is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be Christ centered. Well what does Christ want? Okay, are we doing that? No. Okay, so how do we fix this? And when you got all these wives, when you got all that, I can't even imagine having that many wives and, and, and concubines and all that. I, I go nuts. I, I mean, I, I mean, what would you do? I mean, I mean, think about how many ways he had to get blown, and that's probably half the reason. But we find out that th- these things, in the end, we're going to go to Ecclesiastes and we're going to find out that these things didn't help anything. His riches, his wives, it didn't, it didn't help anything in the long run. It gave God no glory. It actually took away from him for other things. If we go over to Ecclesiastes... Ecclesiastes 5, and we're going to read verses uh, 10 through uh, 15. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. I've got to stop there. I mean, this verse is one of the verses we have over there for memorization on Friday nights. Um, but with that, why? Because it's, it is. I'm going to run out, <laughs> I'm going to run out of time. Uh, but the Lord, I mean, the, really, I mean, I don't even need to read the others. I mean, that's self-explanatory right there. This is what happens. You can have everything you want, and the only thing you're going to want is more of it. And then wonder why you're not satisfied. You're going to wonder why you're not happy. 
You're going to wonder why you have no joy in your life. Well, I got this, I got that. Why? Because the more you, you have, the more you want. The more you have, the less you're satisfied. I mean, and that's the biggest thing with addictions. And people have this wrong uh, thought and process about addictions. See, because addictions, we, I use the term addictions, but addictions is sin. What is sin? Anything that takes its place over God. So anybody could take sin and make it into an addiction, and anybody could do this. And what happens? We see it so many times and times again with, uh, with drug addicts and things like that. They do it, they do it, they do it, they do it, they do it. But they're empty. They're empty. It gives them no joy. It gives them no pleasure. But they do it again. Why? Well, because for like a few minutes. For a few minutes, I just don't have to worry about anything. For a few minutes, I'm just, I'm just you know, all my thoughts are gone and I'm happy. That, that happiness is not having to think about anything. And that's why joy and happiness are different, and that's why joy is better than happiness. But the more you have, the more people come after it, too. Right? I mean, the more people come after it, um, they want it. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their eyes? Because people are going to come after them. And then the more you have, the more you just sit around and look at it. So you got it. People are coming after you just sitting at it. And the perfect example is people, uh, people with toys, uh, motorcycles, uh, you know, four-wheelers, uh, cars, anything. You get more of it. What are you going to do? I mean, at some point, all you can do is look at them. Because you can't drive them all. You can't use them all. Um, the more you have, the more you will hurt yourself, right, to hang on to it. Uh, in verse 13, there is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun, namely riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. And you say, well, how, how, do, you, how do you hurt yourself doing that? Well, because most people nowadays will kill themselves working overtime or working how many hours they can just keep doing it and doing it so they can afford the things and sometimes it's not about that sometimes it's just about right I mean if you got a family what good is working overtime all the time so you can have something why not have a game night why not have a bible night Something that'll be worth it. It's always worth it when God's in it, right? I mean, it really is. But I, I just, I just want you guys to understand that. I mean, you know, He had this wisdom that was beyond anything, and He started out right, but then He kept, you know, then He let. His desires for the world, for women, 
for, for riches. And he did all these things and found out it was nothing. It was nothing in the end. But yet he couldn't, you know, but yet he, he even states it. Like, I still wanted more. I still wanted more. Which we should be concerned about is getting more of Jesus. More of his word in us. More, more compassion. More love. More, more wanting to see lost souls saved. To have what we have. Lord, I just thank you, Lord. I just thank you for this uh, opportunity this morning. I thank you for um, just your mercy, your kindness, your goodness, Lord. We just pray you be with Pastor during the morning service, Lord, and bring people in safely as as they travel here, Lord, and just uh, help get those uh, roads cleaned up quickly. And We just thank you very much, Lord, and we just pray you come back soon. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.